This is Perspectives, the show where an examination of our many differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condes Presley, and in this half hour, I want to continue a conversation we started just a short time ago with Devon Franklin. He is the author of The Hollywood Commandments and the producer of a film coming out on November 17th, The Star. He is an award-winning film and TV producer, as we said, a best-selling author, and the president and CEO of Franklin Entertainment. In his book, The Hollywood Commandments, he explores and explains principles that will transform everything we think we know about God's intention for our success by teaching us how boldly to live out the fullness of our calling in all areas of our life, career, relationships, and faith. She say, first off, hey, your prayers are not enough. <laughs> your prayers alone are not enough. And I wrote that commandment because too often I see, you know, as people of faith, it's like, okay, God has called you to do something. What are you doing about it? I'm praying on it. Okay, cool. Great. What else are you doing? I'm praying on it. All right. Now, what I believe is that sometimes our prayers become a mask for our fear. So we don't do because we're afraid. So in this commandment, I talk about the value of praying and preparing. Anything I pray for, I have to prepare for. Anything I pray for, I get up and prepare for. Why? Because I expect my prayers to be answered. So my preparation is an act of expectation. And in this commandment, I give a great anecdote about my wife who wanted to see more action roles. She, she had been an incredible actor the majority of her life. She's had an unprecedented career, yet she really wanted to get into more roles that had physicality because that's what she wanted to exhibit this, at this point in her career. Yet she was getting no consideration for those roles. And so I would come home and I would look at her and I'd say, hey, what would you do today? And she's like, oh, with nothing, you know, I kind of sat on the couch. And I said, well, babe, you know, you didn't work out. It's like, no. So this would happen all the time. So then one day she was complaining about not having uh, the consideration. And I said to her, I said, well, babe, I got to be honest with you. She said, okay. I said, you have to prepare for what you're praying for. I said, any of the action stars I know, they live an action star lifestyle. So when the roles present themselves, they don't have to get ready. They're already ready. And why don't you begin to prepare yourself as an act of expectation? She said, okay. So the next day I come home, her hair sweated out. She has these old workout clothes on. I'm like, what'd you do? I went to the gym. And as she started to prepare herself, her physicality changed. She would step into rooms. And people would say, what are you doing? And she would say, I'm getting ready for my action movie. And they would say, hey, is it here yet? She's like, no, but I'm believing that it's on the way. And lo and behold, MGM ultimately came to her with an action project, which was to become the new Foxy Brown. And so I tell that story as a way to show the reader that you can begin to prepare for what you're praying for, and you will set yourself up for the manifestation when it's time to come. Well, clearly your example and your story tells us that you have lived out commandment number three, you have to carry a crown yes. before you can wear one. Yes, you have to carry a crown before you can wear one. I really love this commandment because, again, it talks about what we were talking about earlier. You know, everybody wants the service. Everybody, everybody wants, wants the crown. Everybody wants the throne, but nobody wants to serve. And I can tell you that the crown is heavy and the throne weighs something. And in my career early on, when I wanted it, I wasn't ready for it. And if the crown was put on my head at that point, it would have crushed me because I didn't have enough experience. I didn't have, as, as willing as I was, as optimistic as I was, as energetic as I was, I didn't have the experience and I didn't know how to handle it. So I wanted to write this commandment to encourage the reader, commit to the process, serve your way to the top. Even when you look at the Bible, uh, King David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he was anointed the next king. But what's missing from the scripture, there never is a scripture that says after he was anointed, he went and sat on the throne. He didn't. Before he became a king, he went to serve a king. Why? Because he needed to know, well, how does the kingdom run? What is required in being a king? 
This is the irony. So many of us have ambitions and dreams, but we don't even know what is required to do it because we haven't spent enough time in those industries. So I wanted to write this commandment to show the power of the process, the power of serving along the way. And once you become the king or queen that you're destined to be, service doesn't go out of style. Service is actually a requirement of the job. So every time you serviced along the way, it was preparing you to then be in service when you're in that position. And I talk about this in that commandment. The day anyone believes that they no longer have to serve, you can count the days from which that person will no longer be in authority. We are all in service to someone at any time in our life and career. So I was very interested in commandment number six. You get what you negotiate not what you're worth. Yes, too often people think that the company's gonna do right by them. It's not so. The company does right by the company. So it's very, very important to not have illusions of grandeur when it comes to how the company is going to take care of you. I'm not saying the company doesn't have an interest in taking care of their employees, they do. However, do not assume that you will be valued based upon the worth that you create. This is so important. We have to learn how to negotiate. We have to be able to, first of all, articulate the value that we are creating and then begin a campaign to get that value uh, uh, compensated in the form of the worth we create. I've seen so many people, and I've been there too, where there have been times when I was afraid to ask for what I was worth. So when it came time to negotiate my contract, I said, oh, you know, I don't want to offend them. I don't want them to be upset. So I will, in my own head, I know what I want, but I won't even ask for it. And then what happened? I was stuck with a contract for years that I knew was beneath my worth. And I said to myself, I'm not going to do this again. So when it came time to negotiate again, I didn't have the fear of saying, I don't, here's the thing, I didn't care how they responded because I knew what I was asking for was what I was worth. It was more than what I was worth. And what I wanted to do was find the happy medium. I wanted them to ultimately get to a place where they saw a higher value of my worth. And maybe it wasn't at the same level, but I also knew that I needed to get more than what I was currently working for. And that came from bumping my head previously and making up my mind that I was going to change it. So this is why I wrote the commandment, because it's so important to learn how to negotiate and to not be afraid to ask for the value you create. You will never receive the value you, you create that you don't ask for. I can tell you that. But you might be surprised at how much value you can actually get compensated for when you ask for it. The other thing that's important in this commandment, compensation isn't always money. And people make this mistake. Oh, you know, I want the most money. Well, if you go for the most money, you're going to get uh, the responsibility and accountability associated with that money. So be careful. If you're not ready to render you know, full responsibility and accountability for that money or full service for that money, don't ask for it. What I believe is compensation is all about lifestyle. You may want to get home and, and, and feed the kids by 6 o'clock. Make that a part of your negotiation. Hey, you know what? I love this job, but I got to start getting home for the kids. So can we work it out that I can get home by 6? You know, and that becomes a part of the negotiation, just not money for money's sake. So this particular commandment is all about how to look at negotiation, how to look at compensation, and how to position yourself to get the very best that you deserve. We're having a conversation with Devon Franklin. He is the author of The Hollywood Commandments, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success, something that anyone in any industry can find knowledge and encouragement from. I know you've got some special projects coming out, and there's a film coming out yes. later in November. Tell us about that project, yes, The Star. Yes, November 17th, The Star. It's going to be in theaters all across the country. Uh, this is the first animated faith-based movie to come to theaters from a major studio since The Prince of Egypt over 20 years ago. This is the story of the first Christmas, the nativity story. But here's the catch. It's from the animal's point of view. 
So we have Oprah, Tyler Perry, Tracy Morgan. They play the camels that the wise men ride in on to Bethlehem. We have Anthony Anderson, Christian Chenoweth, Patricia Heaton. We have Gina Rodriguez, Stephen Yun, Keegan-Michael Key, all right, A.D. Bryant. And we have an all-star cast. We also have Mariah Carey, who recorded the lead song for the film. And let me tell you, this song will give you goosebumps. It is, it is so inspirational when you hear this song, and it's actually available on iTunes right now. Uh, Kirk Franklin did a song for us from the, on the soundtrack. Fifth Harmony did a song for us. And this movie is what I hope the inspirational event of the holiday season because it, it reminds us of the real reason for the season. And you get a chance to experience the real reason for the season from the point of view of these animals that are so powerful and so compelling. And the lead character is Bo the Donkey, who carries Mary and Joseph to the manger. And he only wants to carry a king. That's his dream. And whose voice is he? Stephen Young from The Walking Dead. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's a it's a powerful film. We've been screening it already all across the country. The response has been phenomenal. So my hope and prayer is that uh, this holiday season, uh, every family listening will go take their family to see this film. And I guarantee you, you will laugh, you will cry, and you will be inspired and remember why we, we, we celebrate this great holiday. Okay, so with that question, I've got to ask you, tell our audience why they will want to go and see this wonderful film when many people, especially in the South, in this part of the country, have a, as we talked about at the beginning, negative perception about Hollywood being this godless, soulless yeah. place. Why would I want to go see a movie about the first Christmas, something that is very dear to yeah. to my heart? And these people are just you know, faking their way through it. Yeah, because uh, I'm involved. Uh, that's why. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I've been a Christian uh, in Hollywood for 20 years. I've been a Christian all my life. And I love talking about the star because the star is literally the evidence of the power of the Hollywood commandments. When you combine the secular and the spiritual, you can transform your industry. It doesn't have to transform you. And so here we are talking about the star. It's never been done in Hollywood. What I didn't mention earlier, this is the first CGI animated faith-based movie to ever be released by a major studio ever in the history of Hollywood. So why should people go see it that are listening? Because I've convinced Hollywood to spend millions of dollars on content that is faithful, that is uplifting, that honors scripture. Don't let Hollywood have more faith in our movies than, than, than we do. This is why anyone listening should go see this film. One, you're, it's great entertainment. And I guarantee you, with all the other films out there, it is as competitive and as entertaining. And here's the thing. You don't have to cover your kids' ears or, your, or their eyes. You can take, your, you know, from your youngest to your oldest. You can take grand, your grandparent, your great-grandparent to your youngest child, and you can enjoy this film. And in addition to that, when you go to the box office and you, and you watch this film and you pay for this film, you're voting. You're telling Hollywood what you want more of. And I guarantee you, when you vote, there will be more just like it. That's why to go, that's why to go see it. How difficult was this for you to get done? And how long has this project been in development? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's been very difficult. It's been very, very difficult. It's been in development, interestingly enough. This script has been in development for over 10 years. I was developing this script back in 2005 when I was an executive. The actual animation process has been about three years um, or so. And this is, that's pretty fast for an animated film. Uh, but it's very difficult, very, very difficult to convince a studio to take on this endeavor. When Hollywood decides they're going to do something, uh, you know, that's, that's a, those are multi-million dollar decisions, not just on a production side, but also on a marketing side. So they are believing that my credibility and the credibility of the others involved and the seeing that the audience, you know, the faith-based audience does come out, they're saying, okay, we're going to take this bet. But there's no guarantee. So part of the difficulty is that every decision is, is a multi-million dollar decision. So there's a lot of, of, of stress around, okay, should we do this or should we do that? So that's why when it's time to talk about the film, I love to, to challenge the faith-based audience to say, 
Don't let Hollywood have more faith in these movies. And I can tell you, having screened this movie already, I uh, just came back from Houston screening the film at Lakewood Church. The response was phenomenal. And the youngest kids, their questions about the star and about Jesus, are they, they were so compelling. It reminded me, this is why we do it. Because there are hearts, and this is what people need to understand. When you vilify entertainment, you vilify Hollywood, you cannot transform something you don't engage. On the other side of the vilification of this industry are hearts and minds that are looking for hope, that are looking to be shaped. And maybe they may see a film that might change their perspective on God, on life. Maybe they might see a television show that might remind them, oh, wow, there is a plan for my life. That's what I'm playing for. That's why I make content. Box office is only an indicate, indication of how many people you reach. But when you see these kids looking at their own life, finding their own hope because they've seen the movie The Star already, I say, okay, it's worth the fights. It's worth the difficulty. It's worth the challenges that I personally have to endure in order to get content like this made. Outstanding. So you just screened the film in Houston. How they're doing? Because, you know, after the storm, we, we were there for a week, the media, and then you don't know how the cleanup is oh, going and goodness. are people recovering. Did the, you see any of that? I did. I mean, in the families that came out. And, and here's the thing. They were so appreciative because there were some families that were displaced from the storm that were there. So appreciative. You know, just so grateful for, for, for the love, for the, for the embrace, and that we would bring the movie there early and they didn't have to pay for it. Uh, they really appreciated it. And Lakewood you know, has been in that community for 60 years, and they're continuing to work. Uh, even though the media is gone, they're still there doing incredible work to make sure that Houston does recover and is better than ever. In case you're just joining us, we're having a conversation with author and Hollywood producer Devon Franklin. He's a producer, a New York Times bestselling author, an in-demand preacher-slash-motivational speaker, and a spiritual success coach. There really is nobody else within Hollywood doing what he's doing in the faith-based space right now, and nobody is doing it as successfully as he is. All that he is doing is so impressive. We're talking about his third book, The Hollywood Commandments, and a film that's coming out later this fall for Sony Pictures Animation. It is called the star. He's been in the Hollywood business for 20 years. He's not only made a name for himself as the go-to guy for making this type of uplifting, spiritual, and inspirational content for large audiences, but he's also managed to be a trailblazer in terms of people of color in the business and in terms of someone his age because he's not even 40. So I want to go back to the commandments. There was one that you talked about. Yes, number nine, your amnesia is an asset. Yes, yes. How, how? Yes, here's how. Because we for, we remember too much. We have to start forgetting. Hollywood is a business that has tremendous amnesia. Uh, a movie studio, let's say last week they released a film that didn't work. Are they going to stop making movies? No. Are they going to stay in, in you know, licking their wounds over a movie that didn't work? No. They're going to say, oh, that movie didn't work. Well, let me give you this movie. Oh, you don't like that movie? Here's this movie. Think about how many stars get a chance to op uh, be in so many different projects. Oh, well, that project didn't work. Well, I got a new movie coming out. You don't like that movie? Here's this movie. So Hollywood is a place that has tremendous amnesia. This is why I wrote the commandment, because too often we hold on to our past. We hold on to things that didn't work. And as a result, we're staying in a failure. But let me tell you, I don't believe that there's any failures. I believe, I write this in the book, that all setbacks are setups. That when we operate in our purpose, the Bible says that all things work together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. So what that means is I got to start forgetting. 
And when somebody tries to remind me of my past, I say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I'm alive today. I'm ready for great things today, and I'm preparing for a great future tomorrow, period. That's it. Because anything that happened in the past has helped prepare me for what I'm getting ready to do in the future. Let me ask you, Devon, what impact, if any, has being an African-American male played in your successes and your failures? You know, um, being, you know, African-American male, being a black man in, in Hollywood has contributed a lot. Uh, you know, Commandment 8, your difference is your destiny. It's a big part of my difference. And there were times, especially as an executive, where I struggled with that. N not that I had a problem with it, but, you know, when you're black and, and you're in Hollywood, the majority of people want to bring you black projects, you know, projects about black people. And that's not necessarily a problem, but, you know, W.E.B. Du Bois talks about this duality, you know, okay, well, I'm a, am I a man or am I a black man? And how do I deal with uh, the conflict inherent within? And so for me at that time, I was saying, okay, am I an executive or am I a black executive? And, and I'm an executive that has many different tastes, some which would be the celebration of African-American culture and tell, telling those stories, some that may be not doing that. Um, but instead of being frustrated by other people's opinion or how they saw me, because most of the times they would see me as a black man and they would respond based upon that. Instead of being frustrated, I began to use that as a source of difference, which then would create rarity, which then would allow me to do what I'm doing. So in the moments where I mean, there'd be times I would be in meetings. They, and there was one uh, producer that came in and said, oh, let's get an opinion from our resident rapper. Oh, no. Yes. No. Just because I'm the black guy in the room. No. But instead of being mad and getting bitter, I said, you know what? I'm not going to even address the negativity. Uh, I'm excited about being a black man in Hollywood, and I'm going to use that to my advantage. I'm going to use that to create uh, to create value and worth. Why? Because I have a point of view that others don't. So I begin to use that as a way to propel my success, not allow it to be a hindrance to that success. Is that part of the education you gained in learning how to deal with challenging people? Absolutely, without a doubt. It's not so much about how they view you. It's about if we are going to allow how they view us to then be internalized to how we view ourselves. And so I was always clear, especially being mentored by a guy like Will Smith who is an awesome teacher, an awesome friend, and an awesome mentor. You know, when you when you see him and learning from him, you know, here's a guy who says, listen, yeah, I'm black, and, and that's not going to be an obstacle. That's going to propel my success because I'm here to give love to the world. And so learning from him and then using that in my own way in my career, the thing that I had to re realize is that people are going to have their point of view of me. That's their point of view. It doesn't have to be my point of view. Let me be clear on who I am. Let me be clear on why I'm doing what I'm doing. And let me not allow my emotions to be manipulated or dictated by someone's limited view. It's okay. In time, they will know. In time, they will know. All I have to do is stay clear on who I am and keep pursuing that every day. You just took us back to your quote from earlier. The only thing I have control over is how I prepare for what's about to happen. Yes. And how I react to what what just happened. What just happened. That's right. So important. It's so important. And in this quote, uh, such a blessing that it blessed Ryan Seacrest to to such a degree, and so many other people that have read the quote or remember the quote from my Super Soul Sunday interview with Oprah. But I do believe that. I do believe it. And and when we simplify things, then we can actually say, okay, how well am I preparing, and how well am I reacting. Going back to commandment number nine, amnesia is an asset. Our reactions sometimes are the things that create the greatest distraction. Because when something happens that's out of our control, we have to understand, okay, well, if this has happened, if God has allowed this, how is my reaction making the event actually worse? How am I reacting to it instead of saying, okay, let me accept 
Okay, you know what? Um, my boss came in and told me today's my last day. Okay, not what I wanted. I might cry about that. I might be frustrated about it. But let me embrace it and say, what is the benefit that can come out of this? What is the good that can come out of it? I can't change it. The job is gone. But what I can change is how I'm reacting to it so that it doesn't disrupt my future. It actually can help me get to where I've always wanted to be. And it also speaks to knowing the rules of the game in whatever your industry is. Yes, yes, yes. Also, one of the important commandments is you have to know the rules to play the game. And it's so important. You know, one of the big things in this commandment is you have to know what your win is. What is your win? We all have to define our win. Any game you play, you cannot play the game unless you know what the, how to play it, how you win. And so each one of us has a different win. Some of us, it may be promotion. Some of us, it may be running the division. Some of us, it may be, hey, you know what? I just want to get to a certain level. Whatever that win is for you, we have to define the win, and we have to learn how to play the game. Uh, and that is, and what I mean by that, I'm not demeaning anybody's job. There, there are really serious jobs out there. Being a fireman, being a police officer, all you know, nurse, doctor, all those are great. I'm just saying as a way to think about your career. One of the rules, which so many people of faith don't get to learn, are the politics. How you deal with people, how you deal with difficult people, how you read a room, how you are sensitive to different people. Because sometimes when you come in a room and you're only looking, interested in your agenda, you might miss what's going on. You may need to come into a room and say, okay, you know what? I'm not going to say anything in this meeting. I'm just going to observe and listen. Because I've read the room and I see my boss really needs this moment to for them to be able to shine. Let them shine, right? One of the keys I talk about in that commandment is what can disrupt our ability to play the game is frustration. That's why I wrote the frustration prayer because frustration is disruptive. Frustration is like a virus in our spirit. And frustration, when we have moments and bouts of frustration, we have nothing good to show from it. You cannot grow anything good in the soil of frustration. And so I wanted to write that because I've spent many, many days, more than I would care to admit, publicly in frustration and what I understood as I got as I dealt with frustration is that it really revealed lack of faith because I really in those moments when I'm frustrated the most I'm not believing God is who he says he is and I'm not believing God can do what he says he can do and in those moments I had to say God I'm sorry is that I, why you no I'm sorry finish that thought I have oh, I'm question. saying that's that's it I'm saying God I'm sorry and and let me not allow myself to stay in moments of frustration longer than I need to because uh, I realized how disruptive they were and is that, did that lead to your gut is hiding God? Yes, yes, yes. Your gut is hiding God. I mean, this is one of the, my favorite commandments because God doesn't always speak in a yell. He speaks in a whisper. And too often we hear something that we're supposed to do. And how do we know it's God? Because it defies the facts of our life. We don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the resources. Yet it still persists, that idea, that thing, that dream. And I can tell you, when God speaks to my gut, and I've, just, I've happened multiple times. It always defies what I think of my life. So I want to write this commandment to help the reader know when you hear it, don't reject it. Embrace it. Listen to it. And then put yourself in a position where you act on it. All right. The book is The Hollywood Commandments, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success. The author is the incredible, and I'm sure you've picked up on that by now, Devon Franklin. Book available now and the film on November 17th. One more time for the audience. The Star. It's the story of the first Christmas from the animal's point of view. It is going to be the holiday inspirational event of the Christmas season, and it reminds everyone the real reason for the season. The book is The Hollywood Commandments, A Spiritual Guide to Secular Success. The author is Devon Franklin, and the star is in theaters on November 17th. And you heard it here first. Devon Franklin, what a pleasure. Thanks for coming by. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, my handle is Condo29 on Twitter or leave a message on our Facebook page. 
We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.